With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambolin here, a.k.a. Totag and Tambo. Back for a little bit of a different version of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe. We've got no cards in the house this week. He's away on a little vacation. Haven't tuned into the scoreboard yet just to see how those Cardinals are doing, but I'll have to check that out here in a little bit. But as always, riding with the rest of the normal crew, got producer Devin behind the scenes, and my main man, Notorious. Noto, what's going on? Yeah, what's up, dude? Uh, Two-man show uh, in the booth tonight. Uh, Should be a fun one. And uh, I'm glad you're hosting because I always mess up the drive for show DFS for dough. Uh, that's a hard yeah. one. I don't know why uh, it's so difficult, but yeah, uh, hopefully the Cardinals are winning for him. He's been railing on them all year. So uh, hopefully they picked it up a little bit. Yeah, I definitely got to check that out. I know he's been talking about them all season long, just letting him down one after the other. And I kind of like that game today. So we'll see how that one goes. We're going to hop into it. We want to talk first though. We got to talk a little bit about the Travelers. So we had our, ourselves a nice little event there, eight-hole playoff. Speaking of which, Justin Sue got into this event this week on an eight-hole playoff I saw today, but uh, we'll talk about that later. But the Kramer Hickok, Harris English, down to the wire. Some called it a pillow fight, if you will. Uh, the unfortunate part, obviously, being that they did not bring hole 15 into play, but I've said it a couple times this week already, and I do believe – Everyone knows the Travelers is the people's event. They, you know, they do so much for the community. They, they help out the caddies. They've got great areas there. The players love it. They really do listen to them. And I think, you know, the rules are the rules. They had it set up. That's how the playoff had to go down. It would have been awesome for them to bring the 15th hole with the drivable par four, and it probably would have ended it a lot sooner. But I didn't really have a problem with it. Seeing Kramer Hickok fighting for his life there, trying to go back and forth, and he had those couple of lip outs, made pretty much every putt that he needed down the stretch. But in the end, it was Harris English prevailing. What did you think of it? And then, yeah, give me your Bubba thoughts as well. we got to talk about Bubba here. So, yeah, I mean, uh, playoff was fun. Um, I didn't have any complaints about it. Uh, we saw the 18th hole quite a bit. Um, obviously, we're going to know that hole. Uh, a lot. Then we got to see the, the Jordan Spieth highlight out of the bunker about a hundred times, uh, anytime somebody hit it into that bunker. So uh, that was fun, but yeah, I mean, Hey man, those guys made some huge putts. Um, they weren't leaving anything short. They kept giving themselves uh, some testers for par, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a good, uh, good playoff. I was kind of pulling for Kramer Hickok. Um, I needed him to par 18. I had a good showdown lineup going. He ended up birdieing it. So at that point I didn't care. So I was kind of just rooting for, Hickok, but uh, I'm glad he uh, secured his card. And then uh, English, man, he's been playing some great golf. You know, he's been one of my guys for a long time. So always good to see him in the winner circle. And he's now the fourth guy to win twice this season. You got, uh, who else did it? Bryson. Is it fifth? I think there's Bryson. Sink. Stewie Sink, Kokrak, English. And then I thought there was one more random person that I'll forget. If you know it in the chat, throw it this in. Week, but I do. Max, Max Homa this week, probably. Oh yeah, there you go. So it could be, it definitely could be somebody else to go to at this. So I have to look that up, but uh, yeah, I thought overall 
just a, a really good event. In the end, it turned out to be okay. The, the Bubba meltdown obviously hurt a lot of people. I know our guy, Cal Spears, I talked about on the Monday show, reviewed his lineup in the 3180 there. He was definitely rooting for Hickok, but it was hard not to. The whole crowd was chanting Kramer. Uh, lots of great Seinfeld gifts on Twitter about him. I thought that was all in good fun. Uh, you know, he did his thing, man. And the craziest part, this didn't get talked out enough, but the one bunker shot when it basically was the speed, it was the exact setup. Even when they went behind him with the camera to show the angle he had, it looked like the speed shot. And he really did just miss it. It went like an inch or two past. And then obviously rolled out, but I just mean like it could have went in the cup. And that would have been an incredible highlight. They talked in the past, obviously them being college teammates and all the stuff they have, the history. So uh, either way, like you said, good on Harris English. And then one last shout out, your guy answer. This yeah. is why you don't tilt on Thursdays because 105 DK points by the end of it. Yes, he had a bad Thursday round, but after that, it was all business. And man, this guy can score and he just does not make mistakes. It looks so good. When he's playing good golf, you think he'd win. I know he's got, uh, you know, uh, close a couple times on the PGA Tour. He's got Euro Tour wins, things like that. But man, I just, it, his game looks so good when it's on. Yeah, he's a guy that if he's making the cut, he's going low on the weekend. We've seen it so many times. He ended up making a nine-footer on Friday to make the cut on the number, follows it up with a 66 and a 65. So, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, um, there were a couple other guys that I was hoping were going to do the answer. Keegan Bradley, Emiliano Grillo, two guys that were in my main lineup that missed it by one. So uh, I'm sure they would have finished top five as well. Um, I'm counting my my loss winnings from them. Uh, but then, yeah, uh, Bubba Watson, you know, uh, follows it up. Five straight bogeys, including a double during that stretch. And I think it started on the par five. I mean, he was like 240 out. He said he was trying to go for it. I don't know if he chunked it or what, but he hit it like 90 yards short. And then uh, after that, he just looked uh, lost. So uh, what were your thoughts on Bubba? That was kind of strange. But I did like his, uh, you know, post-round interview. Seemed pretty confident. Just said, hey, if I'm in the position, uh, that's all I can do. Yeah, I, I don't know if I read it differently or wrong, but in that same interview, it sounded like he said, like, I was, it was nice to be in the mix. Thankfully back, have a chance to win. But hopefully I do the same thing next week. And maybe he said just so I don't just puke on myself again. But it sounded like he was really sarcastic about it. But like you said, it was that one shot. I think Dottie called it sort of a forced layup or, you know, a lucky layup that it kind of still worked out. But mentally or whatever it was, it threw him off because from there on out. And then, of course, when he got wet on the next, so I said Bubba Wetson, because once he was wet, it was all over. And from there, there was no recovery. It was bogeys, uh, one double bogey in there, just everything on the way out, man. Kind of crazy how it can go. I know it caused a lot of swings in both showdown classic, pretty much everything. People thought, you know, Bubba was on his way and it did not happen. English with a little bit of the awkward emotion on 18 too. And I don't think people even thought he was going to have a chance to win this thing little, and that was going to be the one. And, and from there to get into the playoff and go out and close it out. Still a pretty fun event though. The travelers is always a good time. I know Dan Bach, he mentioned to us in our Slack chat, it's one of, you know, just one of his favorite courses. And I think I've heard that sentiment from other people as well saying it's just a great course. And it, it really is. If you think about it, when you go down the wire, there is a lot of opportunity to make, make uh, scores where you can actually make, put yourself into contention, kind of like how Harris English did or blow up like Bubba did and just be completely gone. When you look like you're on their way to win it. Any other final thoughts or things that you want to talk about on the travelers before we move on Noto? Not really. Do love the Travelers. Uh, just such a great finish. You know, a lot of birdies and bogeys we made on those last few holes. Uh, Jason Day, my Jason Day problem almost paid off. Uh, you know, he just couldn't make anything on Sunday and they hit out of bounds on the, the par five uh, 13th or whatever. And then uh, one other note, Cage Lee, uh, very popular showdown play on Sunday. He shot an 80, uh, went from top 10 to nearly DFL. So uh, yeah. I'm glad I didn't roster him in showdown. 
Hey, he's back on the slate this week. I think it was like a 69, 68, 64, 80 or something. (laughs) And maybe in different order, but it was very bad. And he was absolutely crushing through three rounds. And then Jason Day, man, that's just crazy. One stat I saw, and I brought it up yesterday with Kenny, was that Aaron Wise finished T66 and only put up like 10 less DK points than Jason Day (laughs) in T10. So do with it what you will. He's back in there again this week as well. But I do think it's, uh, you know, man, he looks ginger just bending yeah. down to get that oh, ball yeah. out of the cup still. And I don't know if it's just because as soon as he was knowing that there wasn't going to be a chance to win, Jason Day kind of does that thing where if he's out of it, he makes sure to just give you a glimpse and let you know why. But I don't know, man. He still did play some good golf. Some other guys up there, Hank Lebiota, uh, Bryce Garnett, gaining like 14 strokes with the putter. Uh, some other guys that we'll talk about for this week, Bo Hostler. Uh, he's not the main Bo we're going to be talking about. Ben Coley brought that up. Not Bryson DeChambeau, Bo Hostler. He's on the slate this week and had himself – Pretty good week. He went the opposite of Cage Lee. He went out with a 64 on Sunday. Uh, Sepp Straka, just some other good names in there for this week. So I'm excited to get to this one. As usual, Noto, I'm going to kick it over to you to talk about this. We've got ourselves the Rocket Mortgage Classic. It is the third rendition. Remember, Nate Lashley won it the first year going, I believe, 25 under, just blowing the field out by six. Uh, Bryson got it done last year, even with some mistakes. Uh, you know, Wolf made some mistakes down the stretch as well. Had some, you know, an eagle miss that he could have had there just off the green, all these factors. And it ended up being a three-stroke lead or win, sir, I should say, for Bryson. But going into this week, give me your thoughts. It's the Detroit Golf Club. Give me your thoughts here on this course, things you're looking for. I'll let you take over that, stats you want to get after. And then we'll just hop right into it. Just two-man show here this week. Yeah, so uh, if you're one of those fans that doesn't like to see birdie fest, uh, guys tearing up the golf course, you may not want to pay attention this week. You may want to just take it off because uh, there's going to be a lot of birdies. You mentioned 25 under the first year, Bryson 23 under. Last year, I think the cut both years was four under par. So um, if you're out here shooting, you know, 70, 71, you're actually losing strokes to the field. Um, I'm not sure there's a strong course fit. I mean, I know it's a fairly lengthy course on the scorecard, 7,370 yards. Par 72, so length certainly helps on the par fives, and it's pretty open. Um, there's not a lot of trouble you can get into off the tee, so I do think a lot of people will be hitting drivers. But uh, outside of Bryson and Wolf, I mean, we've seen a lot of shorter guys uh, compete here as well. Um, just pulling up the, the course history stats, and some of the guys with the best course history, Sepp Straka, Doc Redman, Brian Stewart, Nate Lashley, like you mentioned, J.J. Spawn, not really bombers by any means, so... I think you can get it done uh, multiple ways here. Um, kind of seems like the, the popular theme between all of them is that they found a hot putter. Um, you're going to have to make a lot of putts in order to win a birdie fest. The fairways are easy to hit. The greens are easy to hit. Um, and around the green doesn't matter all that much here because if you're missing greens, you're probably not going to be keeping up. So uh, for me, you're going to have to putt well. Um, and then you have to make a, a lot of birdies, whether it's off the tee or you know just getting hot with your irons. Yeah, I'm with you. I want the scoring and I know what you're saying and I'm with you. I just, you know, harped up the the US Open and propped it up. I should say how much I loved it because you get events like that, carnage, all of those factors. But after watching the bubble blow up, I'm cheering for everything but bogeys. We want all birdies. So I'm excited to get back to it and just see guys actually score. Uh, As you mentioned, the putter can come into play. I think last year's particular result of Bryson DeChambeau and Wolf doing the thing just makes the auto assumption of all bombers. But I don't really think that's the case. Other guys have found their way there. That you can you can score. You, you know, guys like a Kisner can make moves here. He doesn't have to be a bomber. It's keeping it in the fairway, putting some good shots up there, and then being able to putt on these greens. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on too. And then the last thing I'll bring up, I'll get your thoughts on it. I know tomorrow night I've got the Wednesday lineup HQ show with Luch 
over here at the Jay Carlucci on Roto Grinders. And we'll go through lineup HQ and look at some of the build construction and things. But what are your thoughts to a week like this, Noto, just leaving a bunch of money on the table? Because we're going to talk about Bryson in a second. We'll segue there. But, you know, even if you're not using him, like there's just so many guys that can score. And there is, I think, some interesting names down in the 6K range this week. And a lot of guys that have motivation factors, want to just do well, have a chance at their first win or get some points racked up and things like that. So uh, as much as we make fun of the FedEx Cup and all that stuff, it is kind of a joke. At the same time, it means a lot to these guys out there, as you saw with Kramer Hickok last week, how much that would have meant to him getting that W. Obviously, a second still helps. But what are your thoughts on just leaving a bunch of money on the table this week as far as builds? Yeah, so I mean, the easier the course, the more randomness comes into play um, because everyone's going to be hitting greens. And from that point, it kind of becomes, you know, uh, lucking into some putts. And you kind of see that a lot um, with just these events that are really easy, Corrales and John Deere, some of these uh, just events where, you know, the scoring is really low. Um, you're just going to have to, you know, kind of get hot on the greens. And so, yeah, that does bring randomness into it, volatility into it. And uh, for that reason, I do think you can leave money on the table. I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to, like, set my, you know, max dollar spent to like 49,000 or anything like that. But uh, there's a lot of plays in the sevens and sixes that I like. I could certainly see um, line of builds where the optimal comes in, you know, 48,000, something like that. I think last week, and again, trust me, I'm not this guy. I'm not the, the optimal set. It was 45,000. So let's build all our lineups between 44, yeah. <laughs> five and 45, five. I'm not trying to find that or, or, you know, hit the bullseye there. What I'm saying is though, and what ends up happening, it's a good segue. Like I said, we're going to start with Bryson, but when you get into this upper price range, you know, and I'll get your thoughts on this in a second, prices in general that they set. But a lot of these guys just have to be these prices because there has to be a top, there has to be a bottom, there's a filler throughout. And there's not a lot of differences in some cases between some of the guys that say 9.3, 9.1 there, and maybe what you find in the 8K range. So just leaving a thousand bucks in that sense can go a long way, I find, especially at events like this. So let's do this. Let's, let's dive in. Anything else that comes up along the way, by all means, feel free to throw it in there. But I think, you know, for good reason, there's already two tags on Bryson. I think there's going to be a third uh, when I hop in there. TJ might even have to put a value tag on there because I, I joked about this. I know there was some chatter on Twitter today about him being very expensive. I think he's extremely wrong priced. I think he, they should have made him like 13000 here. It's just a course with no defense for him. He's by far and away like Vegas isn't making any concessions. He's plus 750. The next is like plus 1500. So it, to me, I thought there should have been more done here than just a $500 price gap between him and Reed and then the rest thereafter. What are your thoughts on just setting some crazy price like that on Bryson in a field like this? And then what do you, I mean, you got the tag on him. I know kind of know what you're doing, but give me your thoughts on how you could utilize Bryson. Maybe to be a little bit different because everyone is going to say play Bryson this week. Yeah. Everyone's going to say play Bryson. And uh, even if he comes in at 30% ownership, which we have him at right now, I don't think that's high enough in this field. Uh, we kind of mentioned it last year, you know, you were kicking yourself for not locking them in to 100% of your lineups, and it kind of feels like the same thing this year. Uh, it certainly doesn't mean that, you know, any of these guys above 10K can't, can't come out win, can't come out and uh, outperform him. But um, he's a class of the field. You mentioned the implied win equity twice as good as anyone else in the field. He's obviously uh, won here in the past. He's been in pretty good form. Uh, the Irons have actually been heating up. Everyone talks about his wedge play, but it's been fine over the last four weeks. He's actually gained strokes on approach each of, each of those events. So, yeah, for me, I'm going to be way over the field. Um, I ended up locking Paul Casey last week. I was a little bit bummed to see him, you know, tweak his back early on. But um, I might do that again this week with Bryson. There's just so much, so much winning equity wrapped up with him that uh, even if he comes, like, top 10, you know he's going to score. Um, 
and you can pair him up with one of these guys. There's uh, a lot of room to do it. Um, a lot of guys in the six and seven Ks that I like just as much as, you know, golfers in the eight K range. So for me, I'm just going to plug in a ton and then uh, try to build from there. Um, do you have any ideas on how to differentiate with them? Uh, I think, like I said, for me, the biggest way is just going to be to leave the money. I think, you know, it's natural that when you go Bryson, you see a lot of the guys that will show up as chalk here in the seven K range, you're going to see where people are landing on all the same guys in the eight and nine K range, which you just cannot do. We'll definitely talk more about it tomorrow night on the lineup HQ show, but I think you made a great point there. And it's one that I want to talk about is not just as his win, win equity, what it is up here at the top. I just think almost all the win equity of the tournament is up here. Of course, you know, if you want to try and pick and choose, that's what we're going to do within our player pools in MME. You're going to try and find guys that you think can make a run of it down below and in those lower price tiers. But when you're talking about guys at the top, you can definitely make Bryson Reed, Bryson Webb, Bryson Matsu. Like you can make lineups like that. And there's enough guys that you don't have to feel that bad about down below. So I think for sure, uh, Bryson's a great play here. And it's someone that I'll be extremely overweight on. I made the mistake last year of thinking maybe it could possibly go the other way. The problem is, like I said, there is literally just no defense here. Even if they grow at the rough as much as they possibly can, it's just not there. And there's four power fives. He's just going to slam it out there. And it's not just because he's a bomber. No, you made the point. Things have got better. Like last week he was what T10, I think. And, and no one even talked about it, but you know, T T19, I guess, sorry, it's seven under. It wasn't the worst week. It's just obviously Brooks got the best of them two times now because of the blow up at the U S open Brooks technically beat him. And then there you saw it last week. So it's, you know, two, nothing Brooks, if you will. But I said this yesterday to Kenny as well. Doesn't this just feel not only because he's the obvious favorite anyway, it's not some rocket science play here, but don't you think this is how Bryson is just wired to think like he's just going to come out and get an easy W here and go brag about it on Twitter to Brooks just to add to the mix and be like, yeah, but I won. And you, you haven't recently, even though it's a place he should absolutely win and everyone hasn't pegged for the win anyway, it just feels to me like that's, what's going to happen. Uh, what are your thoughts on maybe that? And then other guys in this range, you had to pick some of them. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's such a calculated guy. Um, you just think, you know, he's got to have good vibes and he's got to have, you know, every single shot already lined up, ready to go. Um, so yeah, for me, uh, I think you just load up on Bryce and don't overthink it. Other guys up here, I mean, do we really think Hideki or Zalatoris can putt well enough to win at 2,500 par? That worries me a little bit. Um, I like them both. You know, Hideki's obviously great around the green. I don't think that's all that important. He's got decent enough course history. I think top 20, certainly in the mix, but I don't love his win equity here. Zalatoris, I like the motivation. You know, he still needs to win to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. He's still playing sponsors invites. Um, in this, this field, I think he took a... The spot away from a guy on the Corn Ferry tour that, uh, you know, just got promoted. So that's kind of crazy, but I uh, saw so I'm rooting for him. But for me, I like Patrick Reed a little bit. He talked about being burnt out a little bit last week, but gained eight strokes, T to green. Every time he makes a cut, he posts top 25. And then Webb's kind of been a Donald Ross specialist, um, rates out well in all my comp courses that I'm looking at. And um, after the missed cut, I think he could be fairly low owned in this range. Yeah, I really like Webb. Uh, I was saying last night, maybe Webb and Matsu, but you do make a good point. It's really tough to think about him getting the 25 under. And Will Zalatoris, I've talked about this plenty in the past. Love the kid. Think he's one of the absolute best talents out there. And it's shown. Don't have to be, you know, don't have to have the best glasses to find that out and see that. But I'll just say this. The reason he didn't win a bunch on the Corn Ferry Tour was always because of the putter. It always came down to that. 
again, he can still score enough to get up there. And like I said, you can mix them in. And this is why I think Bryson is just such a powerful play anyway, because even if he's not the top version, but you have him in with the right one of these guys at the top, I definitely do like this 10K range, taking some shots on Reed, Simpson, and then maybe some Zalatoris, some Matsuyama if you wanted. But I'm, I'm just so heavy on Bryson. But it's more up here for me than it is this next range. So use that as a good segue, I guess. We'll talk about this 9K range, Noto. We've got... Keegan Bradley down at the bottom. Wolf, who we mentioned, came second here last year. Bubba, who we've talked more than enough about blowing up. And then above him, you've got Im, Kokrak, and Neiman. What are you doing here with this 9K Ranger? What are your initial thoughts here? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm getting so much Bryson that I don't have a ton of exposure to this range. But, I mean, Kokrak, you know, he rates out as a great play, no matter how you're running your model or building lineups, whatever you're looking at. Already won twice on tour. Um, didn't miss a gut at the U.S. Open, but – was coming off the win, so I'm not too worried about that. He's a perfect fit for the course, gets it out there. Number one in my model and birdie or better percentage, and he's turned into one of the best putters on tour, which is kind of crazy. Uh, Neiman just hasn't put everything together. I mean, he's making a ton of cuts. He's made 21 of his last 22. He just hasn't been able to get everything going on the same week, so uh, I could see him turning it on. Sung Jay, I mean, the irons have come alive, but you know, he's kind of playing whack-a-mole with his stats. Uh, one week it's the driver, one week it's the putter. Uh, Bubba, like you mentioned, I'm not playing any Bubba. Um, Keegan, <laughs> Keegan let everyone down, but uh, I have the same issue with him as, uh, you know, Hideki, you know, he's going to have to put well to kind of finish in that top 10 range. And I just don't know if I want to rely on Keegan to do that. So uh, I'll have some Wolf, probably won't get as much as the field, but anytime you play Bryson, you got to play Wolf, right? I guess that's what they say. I'm not as high on that thought process as, as you might be <laughs> or what they say, but uh, this is where I really struggle. I, I think, and, and it's because the ownership goes there right away. And I'm not just going to shy away because the ownership, we've seen it enough times. Answer, we just saw it with Casey. I know he didn't come through for you, but at least he didn't, you know, completely, but at least he came through and didn't go out with the back injury or anything completely. He still stuck through it and did his thing after the fact. But Kokrak is the one that stands out and cards had him tagged up here as well. Of course, the ownership goes with it, but he's, you know, winning on tour twice hasn't been a fluke. He's long. He can putt. There's lots of factors that would make sense for him here that I think a made cut is inevitable. And then it's just, what does he do from there? So again, I think, like I said, though, a lot of those lineups, this will be something we look at tomorrow night, Bryson, Kokrak, and then whichever guys you like down below, it'll be popular. So, you know, you have to look for ways to get different and decide, is there a guy down below? We know it's not Ricky Fowler at 8.7 K, but is there a guy down below almost a thousand bucks less than Kokrak that you could feel comfortable dropping down to when everyone's landing here. And then the Neiman thing I thought you brought up was interesting because it's the same way I'm feeling about it. Like I joked about this yesterday, but he's come second twice in a row way back when, and then really it's just a bunch of made cuts since. And you know, it's not like he's got the upside of 9.8 K. And this is where I was talking at the top where they just have to price everyone at what it makes sense of because of the field. And that's where I struggle with the pricing. So I am really not high on this range. Kokrak. I like, Again, you'll have to find ways to get different. Maybe you got to find certain builds where you're using him and then leaving the money elsewhere down below. But uh, I do think he's a good play in this range. Keegan, I might go back to. I, don't, I haven't decided fully yet, but I think just when we talk about flop leg candidates, there's yeah. him and there's Grillo, and we're going to get to Grillo <laughs> later. But this is definitely the spot. And right away, he's automatically down to 12%. I know that you need to find the putter, much like you mentioned with Matsuyama, but he can score too. Right. And he's only nine. He's not 10, four like Matsy. I mean, he's nine K it's still up there. It's still a bit pricey, but I think that there's a possibility. You never know which Keegan you're going to get. I think it's always worth a little bit of the boomer bust love. Uh, Kenny and I talked about this yesterday. Noto with this eight K range, 
Ricky Fowler, 8.7K. I called him Ricky Failure. It was just another letdown from Ricky. We talked about the hashtag girl dad. We talked about having his old swing back. It didn't matter. You tried to get off Grillo and play Fowler at the same price, 7,300. Did not work. There was just nothing you could do to make this guy work. And now he's right back up to 8.7K. Maybe a little bit disrespectful to some of the guys underneath. I joke that even Phil Mickelson has won a, a major at this age. Ricky still hasn't won one, and, we, and Phil Mickelson's way down 8,000. Can just come out here and hit some bombs. But <laughs> what is your thoughts on this AK range in general? Who are two or three guys maybe that stand out for you? Yeah, Ricky's a tough one. It seems like every, every time we start to believe in him again, he just lets us down with these brutal performances. I mean, he was uh, in line to make the cut, and then uh, Friday just blew up. So I don't know what to expect. He hasn't been great on easy courses. And, uh, you know, his best attribute right now is, is around the green play. And I just don't think, you know, if he's having to scramble, I just, that worries me. So I don't know what to do with Ricky. Um, Woodland's kind of in that same bucket and that we've seen flashes, but he has so much missed cut equity that that scares me. You know, Kisner's going to be popular because he had those two low rounds and uh, T3 here last year, but I don't love him that much either. So uh, for me, the range is kind of dead at the top. Um, I do like Cameron Tringale. I thought last week was kind of a bad setup for him. Um, I gave some reasons why people could fade him, and then he ended up missing the cut by one. So I was pretty happy about that. He's got good course history here. He's one of the only guys in the field that's gained strokes in all four facets over the last six months. So that's nice. Um, I do like Grio. Uh, You mentioned he's not as expensive as Keegan. I think that helps. Uh, They have pretty much identical stats across the board. So uh, I like him quite a bit. I'll get back on Garrett Kigo. Um, I think he's a guy that's just a winner. Um, he's won seven times in his last 50 events um, in his official world golf ranking page. And uh, he's a good putter and he can get it out there. So I like him. And then I like Max Homa in tournaments. Um, very volatile, but that helps keep his, keep his price down, keep his ownership down. His last 12 starts, six missed cuts, six top 25. So I uh, talk about a guy with upside that can make birdies. Um, so I like the lower 8Ks a lot more than the upper 8Ks. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more there. That's where I'm at. And I also, like I said, I feel actually pretty good about a lot of these guys, even though there's risk attached and associated with, like you mentioned with Homa, I'm sure you heard the the Max Homa spike week thing, 10th, two missed cuts, 6th, two missed cuts, 6th, coming off his second missed cut. It's got to be a 6th or better. And if you go like up a little bit, maybe that means it's a 4th. Maybe that means it's a 2nd. Who knows? Maybe he goes up four spots again this time and it's a second who knows but at 8.4 K I think just from that boomer bust position he's always worth a shot and if you look back to last week that was Bubba Bubba was what 8900 we knew it was going to be the travelers where he'd won three times in the past it's either going to get good Bubba on Bubba courses or he's just going to blow up early on instead he made it worse on us and did not blow up early on saved until the very end uh and left us pretty sad in the in the end there so we can go back down here but I'm with you I like Higo I think a guy that just wants to go out and win, he's been talking about playing Sung JM style, you know, this year and just playing as many possible events as he can. He's going to go out and try and stay busy and keep getting after it. Grillo, like I said, the ownership automatically drops back to 13% here and the stats haven't changed. And, and even last week, it was really unlucky. He, he kind of just dropped off just a little bit with that approach game and ended up missing by one, quite the bounce back in round two. So I like that. Tringali, man, people have caught on by now, but that's okay. When Louis was 8.1K at the U.S. Open and people caught on, he still came second. So Tringali, 8.1K, people catching on. I still like him. So I think that's an interesting way to go about it. And again, we'll spend more time on this tomorrow night. But I think some Grillo-Tringali lineups can be different. And then you add Bryson, of course, and then just see what that brings 
to the table. And if you even end up leaving money or whatever, I just still think doing something like that is going to be a little bit more unique. Uh, any thoughts on that, Phil play? Or what about a Siwoo Kim? Those guys are both right down at the bottom, 8,000 straight. I mean, I'm not playing Phil. Are you playing Phil? I'm kind of thinking about it. Uh, okay. Kenny might have talked me into it. Just the bombs. He actually can find a putter at times. I mean, you can't just go out and win that U.S. Open if you don't have the game still. And this field is just so bad. I know we know all of these guys, and we're going to be able to tell a narrative street story for everybody as we go throughout our little walk down this path of all these rest of these golfers. But at the same time, Phil, man, is 8,000 bucks. It's, you know, he can score. That's what I will say. And Phil could get you that T45, but be in the top 25 scores and, and make your lineup work. So I don't know. I, I don't feel good about it. He's 3% owned, but uh, I don't feel good about like Sibu Kim either at, at 8K yeah. as well. So. Yeah, I, I don't feel great about either of them. But uh, Siwoo's right. at least got, I don't know. <laughs> if you take Phil's win out, I mean, it's been bad for a long time. Yeah, you weren't you weren't going to bite on that one no matter what. So we'll move on to that 7K <laughs> range. We'll, we'll go 7.9 down to 7.5. I tried, right? We had to go back and yeah. give it a shot. Uh, ownership certainly going to be there at the top on Doc Redman. You mentioned a little bit of his history. Sepp Straka really has a nice history here and has played well just last week. Also, uh, surprised my guy McNeely's not getting more love. I know he's getting love, but I do like him here and there's a lot of guys that you could play in this range right there's lucas glover uh hv3 always a fan favorite chez reevee's been playing some better golf kyle stanley's been getting picked up here and there the last few events he's been playing in nobody ever goes back to a guy like hickok after what happened last week but hey maybe that's the monkey off his back to be able to say he knows he can do it man the guy couldn't miss down the stretch he was nails it just happened to be a couple putts slipped out that i really thought were going down so what are you doing here in this upper 7K range? Yeah, I like a lot of the chalk. Um, kind of feels like they're just good plays in Doc Redman. You mentioned the course history. Um, his irons have come alive. Last five events, plus 15 strokes on approach. Uh, he's also gained strokes putting in six straight. So uh, I like the putter aspect. Um, I like Seb Straka. Uh, he's a guy that played really well last week and then also has a good course history. You mentioned McNeely. I like him anytime uh, you get on small greens, anytime you get on non-Bermuda greens. Uh, he's a guy that makes a ton of birdies. Uh, he has a similar Bryson mold and that uh, top 20 off the tee and top 20 putter. So I like that combo. I don't know what to do with Glover or Varner. I never get them right. Um, every time they become chalky, they both miss a cut. Uh, Varner did it a couple weeks ago. Glover did it at Palmetto because we all heard he played it once. And so everyone <laughs> flocked to it. Um, so it looks like they're going to be low owned. I think I'll probably include them in my MME pool. But uh, what about Brendan Todd, a guy, best putter in the field, probably. Um, he gained 4.8 strokes ball striking last week. It was his best in a year. Any Brendan Todd, love? Yeah, actually, I do. Uh, I played him last week, and I definitely like him still more than Siwoo there. Like I said, the fill is more just a field play. I wouldn't go crazy with it. You could definitely have, you know, 5 to 6% fill in your lineups, 5 to 7%, whatever you want to call it, and just say you've got some and mix them in or even hand build those fill lineups and just get them the way you want them, whether they're all bomber lineups good putters, things like that you can do to try and correlate it the best you can find out what wave he's in. See if you can build a wave stack. I just, I would like to use a little bit of fill, but I'm with you on Todd. That makes a lot of sense. And then kind of what you said there makes, you know, just stands out to me as well. I guess I'll say is Glover and Varner. They never work when they're chalk. And now we've got to the point where they're actually not going to be like, it's no doubt Redmond McNeely and Straka are going to be the guys that everyone flocked to there. And you can play Glover and Varner for once when nobody's on them and they still do stand out. They're popping in your model. They're popping in my stuff that I'm looking at. They still have the stats to go with it. 
these are guys that can show upside and are finally in a field where, again, it's a lot of the darlings, if you will, of the guys we always like to play and want to talk about or can bring up narratives on. But these are guys that can actually play some pretty good golf and are still below 8,000. So I don't hate that in general. Uh, going down, there's some more guys there. Norn is one that stood out to me. You know, Kenny brought up some points yesterday that he was actually uh, showing up. You think of him as like a grinder and on a hard course guy that you know, we want to play to attack those courses. He actually plays really well on easy courses. Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, just probably underpriced. It's 7.6K here. He's the other one that stood out for me. I know a lot of people want to talk about this one today and they were begging for him to get in the pool. DraftKings did a really good job of getting the pool updated quite quickly. And that was uh, for the Seamus Power love. Charlie Hoffman goes out, Luke List goes out, but we get Seamus Power, 7.5K. He certainly looks like a guy that could make some sense here. What are your thoughts on him? And then talk to me about this lower 7.5K, 7K range, sorry. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because I haven't loaded him into my model yet, Uh, but he's been awesome. Uh, Three straight top 20s. Uh, Palmetto gained over four and a half strokes ball striking. Last week, he gained 6.7 with the approach alone. Uh, so yeah, definitely in on Seamus Power. Um, I like the Norn call quite a bit. I was going to mention that easy course narrative as well. And then uh, Brand Snedeker, he loves Donald Ross courses. We've seen him play a little bit better recently. He's another one of those guys that can just get red hot with the putter. So uh, I'll have some of him as well. And maybe some Lonto as well. I mean, he's a guy that hasn't been in the best of form recently, but all of his stats look fine. Off the approach, strokes game putting, uh, it all looks pretty good. Yeah, ever since he got up above above 7K, that's the issue. You got to just wait till he drops down below 7K. We already know the flow chart for Lanto Griffin. So that's one. I do like the power call. I, If you're looking at our ownership projections right now and seeing 2.8%, I would not expect that to hold up. I think that's going to change quite a bit with just the, the buzz I've seen around him. Uh, but again, there's a lot of guys in this range. So you can't expect it to, you know, anyone to get too popular. And as you can see right now, we're projecting them all to be pretty spread out on lineup HQ. So uh, Willett was another guy I, I was interested in. Chris Kirk, those guys can pop at any time. I think they make a lot of sense. I always am a sucker for Mark Hubbard, homeless hubs. There was a great picture there of Bryson signing some sort of frustrating looking autographs after the event, after it was the aforementioned T19. And meanwhile, uh, Mark, Mark Hubbard just sitting there drinking a beer in a lawn chair, enjoying the event as it rounds out. So got to love that, man. You know, he's out there. He's just making a nice little paycheck. Every event cashing in solid. What, what most of us would take from a, a solid GPP week or something. He's just going out, picking up the funds, enjoying a beer on the back nine and watching it play out like the rest of us at home. So got to love that. I'm always a sucker for him. Guys like, Munoz, Lebiota, Cam Davis. I, I know cards tagged up some of these guys. Lewis, who had a good finish here last year. I think all of these guys got to be in your pool. It's hard to play them all, but I'm, I'm not saying just play everyone and maybe pick your spots. But these are all guys that you just never know when they're going to pop. But when they do, and Cam Davis is one of my favorites. I'll, I'll talk about the, the reason when they do, is a guy like Cam Davis can come in T40th. He's your wise of the week. He can come in T66 and score in like the top 25. And and so imagine if he somehow pulls off a top 30, which I definitely think he's capable of here. That to me is the guy you want to be in on. I know he's at 12% down here, but Cam Davis can score. And this is a place where you score. He's not the one that I'd be afraid of down here. When we look at some of these quote unquote scrubs that are garnering ownership. Uh, I actually would have a, you know, like I said, McNeely Straka, good plays, but tougher for me, uh, Lebiota would be the guy that worries me more than a guy like mm-hmm. Cam Davis. Cards got them both picked up here, but what are your thoughts on that, Noto? 
Yeah, so I was going to say, I mean, Leviota is probably the most expensive he'll be because he's been in such good form. And Cam Davis, if he was coming off of, you know, five straight made cuts, a couple of top 20s, he'd be 8,500, maybe 9,000. So definitely love him. And I don't know if you remember last year, but we were tilting him hard at this event. Oh, yeah. He uh, <laughs> three-putted the par three on his final hole uh, to miss it on the number. So uh, he owes us uh, some some good uh, karma with a good week this week. So I'm on board with Davis. Uh, I like that call. Yeah, Leviota has been awesome, but I just – Feels like we're buying the top and we're paying a, pri- a premium in terms of ownership. So that scares me a little bit. Um, I like the Hubbard call. He's a short game specialist. So um, those guys typically go under the radar in terms of ownership. I like Chris Kirk. He hasn't been in the best of form recently, but um, T21 last week or last year here. Good comp course scores. Good on Donald Ross. Um, he's top 35 in both birdie or better and bogey avoidance. So I think he makes some sense. And I think that's it for me in the sevens. I think I got a, just a couple more here. Uh, will you go back to KH Lee? I was going to ask you that after the, you know, we brought him up for the same reason yesterday, but I just thought with that 80 on the way out, it's clear that he's not going to be owned, but man, he's got a win recently. He just played well uh, there. What, what are your thoughts on KH Lee? And then I'll name a couple more here. I mean, I, he never rates out well for me. He's one of those guys that just pops one week and then disappears for a couple months. So trying to predict when that happens kind of tough. Um, I won't, I won't be on him this week. Okay. I'll name a couple more before I do want to remind everyone of the guests, the golfer game, Noto and I have a guy picked. He's definitely in the six K range. There's a lot of guys down there this week, but giving away a free week of Roto grinders premium. If you guys want to hit up the chat, and start with your guesses. We will not talk about this guy until we see the winner or when I decide when we bring it up later. We don't got cards this week, so I'm taking the reins and I'm just going to keep rolling. Do it my way here, Noto. So we'll, we'll go. You guys can start guessing. Put your names out there. A couple more guys. I was going to say Troy Merritt. I'm surprised he's picking up a little ownership. Don't really care because it's 8%. But uh, playing some much better golf. And the only places Troy Merritt goes low is like score. Like, sorry, I shouldn't say it like that. He, if he's scoring... Of course he goes low i'm saying the courses he typically does the best on are courses where you need to go low and that's when you see troy Merritt at his best corrales places like that so i think uh, you know the stable for event all all these different ones I, i'm in on so i like troy Merritt here i could play a little putnam saw some stats pop for him things that you know and talk about a guy that can get hot with the putter and then joel damon this is a guy we played him on outlaw tour we played him because of narratives of practice rounds before the outlaw tour but he can definitely put up the low rounds that are required. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about these scorers down in this range. These guys can just pop numbers that are going to be more than enough to make the winning or the optimal lineup. And so you're going you're gonna to want to have a lot of these guys in your pool. Uh, we'll get to all the narratives in the 6K range in a second. Any thoughts on those guys that I just mentioned? And then I actually got one more that I'll ask you about. Uh, I like Doug Gim. Uh, he's a guy that we've been playing, you know, high to mid sevens. And now we're getting him a low ownership, still good ball striking numbers. I like the Damon call, but, uh, did he get his golf clubs? Um, we heard on yeah, yeah, Twitter, that. uh, the airline lost his bag. So <laughs> definitely want to check if he's going to have his golf clubs or not. Um, I like the merit call, but, um, yeah, he's just a guy that posts a ton of top tens. And at this price, if you get a top 10 from him, you are, uh, you know, well in the money. So don't mind those sure. calls. And, and Merritt, by the way, got eighth here last year. He's coming in off pretty good form. I think it's seven, six of his last seven made cuts and three of them are top tens, like you mentioned. Uh, Joel Damon feels like the guy, just to that note, doesn't he just feel like the dude that could just pick up like the rental clubs from the pro shop and just come out and pop a 61 <laughs> yeah. or something? Like, whoa, whoops, yeah. you know, I just did that. That's kind of how he does things. 
he was on the subpar uh, podcast with uh, Cole Nose, and he was talking about when he was playing the the mini tours, and he actually got so drunk he left his car with his clubs at uh, at one of the bars, and uh, just had to take take a rental set, and uh, he ended up shooting a sixty something uh, when he was really hungover, and uh, ended yeah. up making the cut. I think that's the story that was in my mind because it does make just perfect sense when you think about who he is. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. it's just it's so funny to see, and then. Bo Hostler, I mentioned there, I know Ben Coley talked about him this week, uh, you know, just played some really great golf that we always like the, the hot golfer coming in on Sundays, definitely plays better, hotter weather, things like that is kind of what he likes. So I think it could be uh, a spot that makes a lot of sense for him. Great putter at times. And at 7k, he's a guy that can go low. And then I'm not trying to put you on the spot or just see what you know, but do, do you know much about Mito Pereira? Did you look into him or look him up? He's oh. getting a lot of buzz this week at 7k. So, so he got in. I believe he's the one he's that won. Uh, he's the one that won on the Corn Ferry, right? Three three Corn Ferry yeah. Tour wins. So, so uh, originally Zalatoris took his sponsor's exemption. Um, yeah, but it's so good to see him to get in. Yeah, I, and I think that's the thing. So you know that you mentioned that I, I did forget about that actually, but it's true. But he did end up getting in three Corn Ferry Tour wins. I believe it's the first time since Wesley Bryan to have that happen. It gets you the auto tour card or whatever, the ability to get on tour and get out there and start playing some events. And so for him, big time opportunity here. I think this will be the start of it. So I think this is a good spot to take some shots. If you think about some of the guys we've seen lately that just come up, I mean, look at the guys we've seen do this in the, you know, the last little while we joked earlier about Willie Z not being able to get the job done just yet, but look at some of his finishes, even in majors. And then you want to bring in the Neemans, the Morikawa's, the Wolves, the Hovlands, who, by the way, just won overseas. And, and now is the, fir the first Norwegian to win on the European tour, getting the job done over in Germany. Uh, Keimer tried to do the, the thing in his hometown there and get the job done and, and battle back and came second. But Hovland did pull off the victory. He got the sand out of his eyes, if you will, and, and found the, the path to victory. So good for him. Love to see that. I love Hovland. He's such a good dude. So funny. Great to watch. But uh, Mito is definitely a guy that could come out here and pull something off when no one wants to give him a shot. Uh, only the guys within our bubble. So if you hear people talking about him, don't worry about it. Like he's just never going to get there in ownership. If you want to play him and take some shots, maybe you missed the boat on the Garrick Higo week. I know you and I were kind of guys, I think uh, cards was in on him. Maybe you played some of them. I certainly wanted to sit back and just give it a, a whirl and see what happens. And that did not work out well for me. So I won't do it here on Mito. Like the Doug Gim call. I do not think we have seen a winner yet. I'm just scrolling back up just to go back through it. This is so easy. You guys will know it when we get to it, but there's some good guesses in there. Some actually some plays we're going to talk about. Uh, let's do this, Onoto. We got about 15 minutes left here, so we've got lots of time left for the winner. But uh, six 6K range definitely has some playable guys this week. Uh, where What are some of your favorites here? Maybe do 6.9 down to 6.5, and then we'll try and see if we can find anyone down below that. All right, so yeah, I like the Mito call. Um, even if you you know don't know a lot about him, uh, we know he's a three-time winner. And you mentioned that we've seen these guys come on and uh, they're trying to make the most of their opportunities. So I like it. And the fact that he was a late ad, that's going to help keep ownership low too. So even if you hear his name a lot around the podcast and whatever, it's he's just going to be low owned. So I like that call. You know, I'm going to play Patrick Rogers. Um, he's making cuts. He's not doing much with it, but he's gain strokes, ball striking three straight, um, not on Bermuda. It's a long course, T45 here last year. I like uh, Norlander. Um, he's showing a little bit of life with the ball striking. T12 here last year. 
And then above 6,500, I also have uh, Chase Seifert. Um, he kind of did the same thing as Cam Davis, uh, fell apart on his last couple of holes here last year. So don't mind going back to him. And Vaughn Taylor's a guy that uh, the irons are coming around. You know, he's dealing with that hip injury forever, but he looks good. Um, so I like him quite a bit as well as 6,600. Yeah, I don't even know how he does it. I do kind of like Von Taylor as well. And somehow it'll just be like a five under first round. You're like, where does this even come from? And then he does it again in round two. And you're like, okay, well, he's making the weekend. And then from there, it's like he'll finish 16 under when the winner's 25. But it's like, that's plenty for the price that you paid. So I do like that call. Uh, no one really talking about Nate Lashley, even though he had that dominating win in week one. And by the way, guys, if we mention the name, I can promise you one thing. It's not the winner. We'll save that till the very end. If you bring it up, we'll announce the winner when we see it, but still no winner. Uh, Roy Sabatini heard some stuff on. I think he's always interesting. He's 6.9 K uh, by the way, Olympian Roy Sabatini, oh, yeah. he changed yeah. the citizenship and he's going to get a shot here in Tokyo. So that's awesome to see. Yeah, he's uh, I saw warm some up. He's got to warm up. <laughs> He's got to get that <laughs> Olympic warm up. Uh, I do like that. I love the Patrick Rogers call. You mentioned it anytime, not on Bermuda. We're still waiting for him to pop. It's going to be someday and we want to be on it. So, <laughs> Hey, it's not like we're paying Tony Finau prices. Why not get in while the water's still warm on Patrick Rogers, uh, Neesmith, Kadira. These are guys, again, there's guys that you can play, but it's, we're making up stories for a lot of them. Davis Thompson getting a lot of love this week in the betting markets only because he's like three and 400 to one. Uh, another amateur that's up and comer that you can go down to, man, there's some good guesses. I, by the way, uh, Chris church mentioned Denny Mack. He mentioned a lot of guys, Mr. Whaley too, but I do like Denny Mack. Now that he brings him up uh, another guy, again, we're talking about getting hot with the putter. I think he can make some sense. Two more guys. And then I'll flip it back to you for some more. We can just go back and forth through Noto, but I think cam champ could be, could be put the asterisks there. It's cam champ could be, this year is Matthew Wolf. If you recall, last year, Matthew Wolf was definitely not 9,100. I can promise you that. He was like 6,800, I believe, going out and doing his thing when with him and Bryson battling back and forth. I just feel like Cam Champ can be the guy. He does have the tools. He's got the game. He needs to get the approach game, the irons, wedges, et cetera, a little bit better. But off the tee can be there. And at times, he's been able to get there in 20 under events. So I think any proven winner, man, like this is a guy at 6,700. It's going to be uh, all off of recent form, you know, where he has none that people are looking at that. That's why you see him not get any ownership, but I think he makes a lot of sense down here at 6.7. And then, uh, Benny on uh, the reason I brought that up is the Sedgefield comparison. I saw him snap on Twitter today about getting that early tea time again, but, uh, I do think he's an interesting play. Uh, he's actually come around his last two events with overall game, just missing the around the green. We know he's always missing the putter. I always post the the mini putt where he even missed that and tried to like reach his hand in and pretend like it went in the cup. He's, he's a struggle. He's struggled in the past with the putter, but I think champ and Benny on could be interesting plays. What are your thoughts on those two guys? And then uh, some of the others being mentioned in chat, there's a lot of names being thrown out there. Yeah, I'll definitely have to add champ uh, to my player pool, a guy that, uh, you know, played great at the masters T26 uh, T19, the last masters. And like you mentioned, the driver's awesome. He's gained off the tee in something like 25 or 26 events. So just needs something to get going uh, with the putter, and I think he'll be fine. Um, and then, yeah, Benny on. Man, the DFS community is just uh, lighting the fuse with him, man. They got him going, and then, uh, you know, he's tweeting at the PGA Tour and had a deleted tweet. And <laughs> oh, man. Poor guy. Um, he was trying to get pip money, and that it was never going to happen anyway, and now it's completely out of the question. Yeah, definitely. now he's definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Wes Bearden in the chat says, Cam Champ would be a top five golfer if all he had to do was off the tee. Absolutely. I love that call. It's crazy though, but 
hey, he can turn it on at times. And like I said, if he gets those first two lucky rounds, he's usually a guy that when he gets the confidence, it does stay with them and he keeps rolling through. He's closed. He's a closer. Uh, you know, there's double C in Cam Champ. They stand for one of them stands for closer because he's done it a couple of times on tour. So I think that's an interesting play to go down to. Denny McCarthy, who I mentioned, there's not a lot. I guess, uh, you know, a couple other guys. I'm just trying to think here. The chat will want to talk about Justin Suh. I mentioned him escaping the eight hole playoff, almost like what we saw with English and with Kramer Hickok. So he's a, an interesting one down here. And then who was the other guy someone mentioned at 6.1K? Oh, that was uh, at 6.1K, but there was someone else. Oh, John Pock, again, another guy, amateur we can go back to there. Anybody down here that you can see actually getting aggressive with? Uh, no one that I'm super high on. I think the Justin Sub play is definitely interesting at 6.1. Again, though, if you're going to play him with Bryson, you don't need to fill out your lineup. You're just saying that he's going to come out and do better than a lot of these other 6.7, 7.1, those types of guys. You can just play your lineup like that and still get unique and have a shot at the top. Uh, anybody else down here you want to talk about? It's crazy. We've had the most engagement in the guess the golfer game probably all season and still nobody got it. This guy's a goat, man. You got to go down and find him. Uh, you know, the you think orange, think think those things. Well, up, no, and coming, some more. up and coming goat. Um could be the so, goat, could be the woke because it rhymes, but go ahead. So three guys at 6,500 I like. Adam Shank, anytime he's in an easy field, he makes a lot of birdies. Uh, Roger Sloan, pretty solid stats across the board. Uh, T21 here in 2019. And then Vincent Whaley, um, I still have yet to play him. I think this is the week I'll finally hop in. Uh, missed a cut <laughs> on the number last week. So um, I think this is just, if you were playing him at 7,500 or whatever, you should be playing him at 6,500 in a weeker field. And then uh, with Justin Sugg getting in, does that mean uh, Tane Mother F and Lee didn't get in? Did you have you ever seen his no, uh, I think, Twitter account? I think he's. I I do, but I think he, I think he still got in. Okay. I think I saw Let's that his price five. was added as well. I just can't remember. Six uh, K on the dot. Oh, gotta gotta get some of him just to follow <laughs> his Twitter account. Or well, not his Twitter account, but his. <laughs> Oh man, I, I'm just loving this week right now. Yeah, Roger Sloan's Canadian too, by the way. I don't know if that matters in your model, but for me, it definitely does. So uh, I like bad. him. <laughs> you, you, seem know, not, you seem to be against the Canadians lately. It's only sometimes, man. Roger Sloan's a guy <laughs> like Michael Glidgick. These are the guys we can mess around with. All right, last last hint. We got a few more minutes before we get out of here. Think about Texas. Think about Orange. Think about Hovland. And make the right pick just find the answer in the chat somebody <laughs> you give him his first name and it's gonna hasn't, be hasn't played a whole lot on the pga tour yet no but he just played just played probably gonna be around for a long time hopefully i think so for sure uh but oh back to tane lee um yeah, three of three, T sixty nine at Farmers, T fifty nine at Valerio, and then T fourteen at Palmetto. So, uh, I like going to him at min salary. I don't even have the numbers up yet because he was added late, but uh, that's pretty interesting. And and our other guy that we're trying to get to here has had some decent results as of late as well. Just trying to you know make it happen here. But there it is. We finally got it. Double zero, Sean Michael. Double zero. Sweet chin music, by the way. That Sean Michaels, it is. Eckroat, Austin Eckroat, Austin Eckgoat could be Austin Eckwoat if he ruins your week. But I will say this: I, I mentioned it yesterday. This guy, man, he's got some talent. Uh, Kenny was on the Stripe Show pod with Travis Fulton there last week, and he talked about being around his coaches and seeing him. He went through, made the cut last week. The guy can score, 
And I was saying this, I, I don't know if it's still true. The article's from like late 2020. So it's still not that far. It's less than a year ago, but Victor Hovland had bought a house. They were, they were teammates at OSU, uh, Austin Eckrow. That's why I gave the Texas example, orange for OSU. So anyway, they were teammates and he was living with Victor Hovland. And I talked about it earlier, but talk about motivation. First off, you're living around Victor Hovland. I mean, this guy's just a talent like no other right now. We've seen, he just keeps popping up, uh, you know, kind of ROM vibes we mentioned yesterday because you look at him winning on the Euro Tour, winning on the PGA Tour, like he's trying to do his thing. So uh, broke the Puerto Rico curse. Yeah, he, he's doing everything, contending in majors. It's just going to be a minute before he gets his major, maybe like Rom just did. So uh, I could definitely see that. And you got to just think about that. And now you just saw the guy go over and win in Europe. Like I thought Victor Hovland would have played last week at the Travelers. Instead, he just travels overseas and say, did some traveling, goes overseas and gets the W. So shout out to him. But I think Eckroat's a great play this week. And at 6,700, Makes a lot of sense. You know, again, another guy that can just score well for your lineups. And you again, leave some money on the table. You can do that here this week. No problem. So flip it back to you, Noto. Give me any final thoughts that you've got for the week. We appreciate everyone in the chat. Tons of engagement as far as picking this winner. And again, shout out to double zero, Sean Michael, double zero. Producer Devin will get you all hooked up, tell you where to reach out on Twitter and find him. Any final thoughts here, Noto, for this week? I like that quote. Uh, shout out to Adam Levitan with the shower narrative. Can't pass up uh, one of those. So uh, he's obviously going to play well after Hovland won. And uh, just looking at his odds, uh, they're a lot better than Davis Thompson, John Pock. So, um, you know, Vegas obviously likes him too. So, yeah, I uh, feel pretty good about the week. I think uh, we'll go heavy Bryson and go from there. Yeah, it's got to be Bryson week. If it's not, it's going to be disappointing, man. He should just be pounding it out there, scoring. Even when he makes mistakes at this course, it's not – I don't even, I don't want to say this and jinx it, but because I don't really believe in that, but I don't think there's any way you see like a Bryson 10 or something. It's just not possible in this course. Like it's going to suck if he pars a par five because of yeah. all the opportunity and the upside that he has. So again, like I say, you could say what you want about the price. I think the price is just so bad at 11.4 K considering what they did with the rest of the people behind him, where he could have easily just been 13 K and made it a bit of a harder decision or building those lineups, but I'm still going to build it almost as if he is, like I said, and that's kind of my my pitch for this week. You want to catch more, be sure to tune into the premium show tomorrow night. Let's win some money. Someone said, yeah, excited about that. Big announcement today. We did move the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast over to the Mayo Media Network, only so we can see Kenny Kim drink some Crown Royal for, live now. We get, the, we get the camera and get the video there. So I'm excited about that. You guys know where to find me on Twitter, at Toe Tag and Tambo. Other than that, thank you and good luck.